insightful podcasts by informative hosts. Insights into Things, a podcast network. Welcome to Insights into Teens, a podcast series exploring the issues and challenges of today's youth. Your hosts are Joseph and Madison Whalen, a father and daughter team making their way through the challenges of the teenage years. Welcome to Insights into Teens. This is episode 11. Fears and Phobias. I'm your host, Joseph Whalen, and I'm here with my lovely and talented co-host, Madison Whalen. Hello, everyone. How are you doing today, Maddie? Pretty good. So today, this was actually a topic that you suggested. You wanted to talk about fear, so I'm guessing you have some fears. Yep. So we're going to go over these, and what we're, what we're going to do is we're going to go through, we're going to define what fears and what phobias are, what the differences between the two. We're going to look at um, some symptoms. We're going to look at some statistics. And uh, we'll look at some ways of coping with some of your fears and phobias. Um, anything you want to say before we start? Like what? I don't know. Did you have anything you want to talk about? Anything you want to throw out there? Any fears that you want to throw out there right off the bat? Basically just what my what I think my fears are or what I'm afraid of at least. Sure. What do you think your fears are? Well, I think I have... I don't... Well, I've always assumed this for a while now that I have arachnophobia. Okay. Which is fear of arachnids, mainly spiders, even though I'm also afraid of scorpions and other arachnids. Sure. But still... I'm also afraid of bees normally, and I hate being outside because I always think like a small fly is a bee. Right, right. It's okay. It's not very pleasant whatsoever. Well, and, and and I think that that's a core fear that a lot of people have is those little creepy crawlies and, you know, bees sting, scorpions sting, and spiders are just freaky looking. So, yep. and I don't think it's it's unusual, but... Let's dig into the heart of the matter. Let's talk about what fear is and what phobias are, and, and we'll mean, see. I mean, I have other fears other than the creepy crawlies. Okay. Well, as we get into things here, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll delve into those a little bit more, too. Okay. All right. So let's get started. So the first thing we should start out with is a definition of what fear is. Now, this comes from kidshealth.org. Um, and just a show note, all of our resources uh, are links in our credits at the end of the show if anyone's interested in visiting any of the sites. Mm -hmm. So kidshealth.org tells us that fear is one of the most basic human emotions. It is, a pro it's, it is programmed into the nervous system and works like an instinct. From the time we're infants, we are all equipped with the survival instincts necessary to respond with fear when we sense danger or feel unsafe. Fear helps protect us, it makes us alert to danger, and prepares us to deal with it. Feeling afraid is very natural and helpful in some situations. 
Fear can be like a warning, a signal that cautions us to be careful. Like all emotions, fear can be mild, medium, or intense depending on the situation and the person. A feeling of fear can be brief or it can last longer. So basically what they're saying here is fear is a tool that all humans have and it's designed to protect us, kind of like pain. You know, if you stumble and you sprain your ankle, it hurts, but it hurts. That pain is a deterrent so that you don't walk on an injured ankle at that point in time. So fear here is a tool where your body somehow, somewhere senses that there's some kind of danger and it's there to protect you. So basically fear is helpful for survival. Exactly. So that's where we kind of have to, to think of fear in this case here is that it's a good thing when it's used correctly. Mm-hmm. So Kids Health goes on to talk about how fear works. So when we sense danger, the brain reacts instantly. Uh, It sends signals to activate our nervous system. So you may start, like one of the first things that happens is your adrenaline may start to to rush so that you're ready for what's what's called the the fight or flight reaction. Have you ever heard of that? Uh, No. Okay, so fight or flight is something happens and your body reacts and either your body readies yourself to confront whatever it is that's a threat to you or to flee from it. And when it does that, it triggers endorphins into the bloodstream to make you run faster and give you a burst of energy. Um, It tends to, you know, it causes your sweat glands to react so that you know that something's going on. It's an actual physical process that your body goes through to protect yourself. Now, let me ask you something. When you see a spider, how do you react to that? Well, it depends on the size of size of the spider or anything else. Okay. So, unfortunately, my fear has gotten so bad that I'm afraid of spiders in picture books. Luckily, I don't handle it by screaming anymore. I just turn the page or cover with my hand or close my eyes. Well, that's good. That's good. And whenever I see a small spider, I freak out a bit, but then probably step on it. I don't know. Okay. And if I see a spider and in the house, I normally come to you guys if it's high up, so you can either, so you can probably like, not kill it, and like set it out back into the wild. Yeah, mommy doesn't like killing things around the house. Yeah, but, and I don't like things, other things living in the house. So. So we there's have to a. Make we, do. Yeah, so we come up with a compromise and we just evict whatever the offending creature is to the outside. Yep. Okay. Unless it's a stink bug, then we flush it down the toilet. Well, yeah. So they swim, though, right? Yeah. Okay. Unfortunately. So when your body, when your nervous system reacts to fears, it causes physical responses. Like I said, a faster heartbeat, rapid breathing, increasing your blood pressure, um, blood pumps to your muscles and your muscle groups to prepare the body for a physical action, such as running or fighting. Um, and your skin sweats to keep the body cool. Uh, so it's it's sort of kind of like an automatic defensive system that fear is associated with here um, that you run into. Um, some people might notice um, your stomach or your head or your chest or your hands. You might get a little woozy. Do you ever have that happen? 
Um, sometimes. I can't really recall too many times. I mean, I probably felt woozy a few times. I don't know. Okay. I really don't know if I have a good example for it, but I can definitely say I have a... I definitely have a change in thought and movement, and I'm pretty sure I also have a bit of adrenal, a bit of adrenaline. Okay. Oh, oh yeah, I actually do feel woozy when I'm up high because I prefer heights. Okay, so that's a different kind of fear, a different kind of reaction. Yep. Okay, that makes sense. So the body tends to stay in this fight or flight mode until the brain receives some kind of all clear message and turns the response off. Uh, sometimes the fear can be triggered by something that's startling or unexpected. You walk through a haunted house and you know, somebody jumps out at you and, and scares you. Um, even though your body realizes it's not dangerous, once you get past that, your body, your brain then shuts everything back off and you go back to normal. Um, the interesting thing is the fear reaction is activated instantly. Um, and it's usually a few seconds faster than the brain can process or evaluate what's actually happening. So in certain situations, like a spider or you know something else that triggers your fear, your body will react like bugs, okay? Yesterday you were getting out of the car, there was a bee flying around, and instantly your body went into your fight-or-flight mode. So before you could even evaluate the situation and realize, all right, that bee was 10 feet away and he wasn't any danger to me, just by seeing that, it triggered your fear and your body automatically went into that defensive mode. So that's kind of how, why your body reacts the way that it does. Um, and eventually, you know, your body catches up to that fear instinct and says, okay, well, all right, that bee's really not close to me. It's not going to hurt me. So let's turn off all of our defensive mechanisms here. You know, sort of like shields up when we sense something and then you turn those shields back off after your brain catches up to the evaluation of the danger. So any questions on the definition of fear and what causes fear? Nope, I think we already have a good, I already have a good background of how, um, what fear is and the definition of it. Okay, all right, cool. So the next thing we're going to talk about is just some quick statistics on fear. This comes from the website stageoflife.com, which we've used in the past. And they have a lot of great surveys there. Mm -hmm. So this centers around fear, mostly associated with school and teens and personal life, not really phobias or you know insects and stuff like that. So one of the interesting things is uh, in this poll that the, the teens took, 75.5% of the teens were afraid of poor academic performance or not getting good grades. Is that ever a fear that you, you have? Well, I don't think I've ever been afraid of getting a bad grade. Well, I sometimes do get nervous if I think I got some questions wrong. And especially if I realize I did get a low grade, I'm like, what did I do wrong? Right. And I really don't feel very well 
afterwards. So. Well, is this is this one of these? The fear happens during the test or after the test before you get the results? Sometimes afterwards, occasionally. I mean, if I think I did good on the test, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't worry about it. But if I didn't know some of the questions, I'm pretty sure I'd be afraid to see it. Okay. That makes sense. And that doesn't happen often, so. Good. Not that big of a problem. Well, the fact that you get straight A's kind of helps that, right? Yeah. So 66% of those polled said they're afraid of the future or life after graduation. Do you tend to think that far ahead? Do your anxieties reach that far ahead? The only thing that ever really reached that far is that I didn't want to get into a relationship, and I was kind of, I kind of thought that I'd live in a small apartment, and I mean, I didn't worry about, like, too much about after graduation. I honestly don't even know what I'm going to be when I grow up, so. Okay, fair enough. Uh, 56%, 56 56.4% of the teens were afraid of money. For instance, worrying about how to pay for things. Um, do you have financial worries at your age? No. No, because you make pretty good money, don't you? Yep. Yeah, you, 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 you make out pretty well between bringing home straight A's and getting money for that and doing your chores. I, I think you're pretty well set for someone your age. And I'm pretty sure um, with my level of education, I'd probably be able to get a good job to get um, a good amount of money. I have no doubt of that. 54% of teens are afraid of having to audition or try out in order to be a part of something. Now, you've never had to do that, right? Um, or a musical or a play or anything like that. Nope, you never really did that. So you do play trumpet and band, though. Yep. And you've got a concert coming up, don't you? Yeah, in um, May one. I actually have three concerts. We do one for all the parents because there were... And there are two schools playing in each band, so we have to go to the other school first to play for their school. Then we do the other, and then we do our school for all the students, and we do one for the, all the parents. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, we only ever travel to the school to the other school once, whenever we do the concerts. So. So, do you ever have a fear of performing in front of large crowds like that? Well, not when I'm, like, focusing on playing the trumpet. But if I ever, like, sang or had to dance or had to do a play, I'm pretty sure I'd be nervous with stage fright. Do you do solos in band? Well, we only did it this one time, and we're not going to do it during this concert. And, yeah, I do get nervous during those. You're nervous, though. You're not afraid. Well, I'm... I'm kind of more afraid when I have to do a solo with the other trumpets because there are only four of us and I'm one of the four that okay. uh, that did the solo. So I got kind of nervous that I'd mess something up. I also get a little tingly in my stomach whenever we do do a performance. So I guess I do have a bit of nervousness do doing that too. But eventually after I start playing the song, I'm fine. And that sounds like typical stage for it. I used to be in concert choir in school myself. And I always get those butterflies in my stomach up until I get up on stage and you start singing. And at that point in time, you know, all that practicing pays off because you go into sort of an automatic mode at that point. And before you know it, the concert's over. Yep. So 
54% of teens are afraid to talk to their teachers about personal problems. Do you talk to your teacher about personal problems? No. Is there a reason for that? Well, um, like, I normally go to you guys for personal problems. Okay, fair enough. As long as you have an outlet, I think that's the important thing. Yeah, I don't really talk to my teachers too much about it just because, well, I'm kind of quiet, I guess. Sure. And I sure. prefer to just tell you guys. Yeah, but, you know, it's important to realize that your teachers are there, that you can go to them and talk to them if you have to. I just think you guys would be better supports for some reason. That's perfectly fine. Uh, 51% of teens are afraid of talking to their t parents about personal problems. Clearly, you don't have that issue. Yep. So, that's I mean, good. Certain problems that aren't that big of a deal, I... I don't normally tell you, but bigger problems I definitely would tell you. Good. Well, and you should feel free to talk to mommy and daddy about anything. Yeah, I'd actually prefer to tell you guys over people at, like, teachers at school, which is why I'm like, okay, I'm not going to tell anyone else about this, just my parents. That's fine, and that's what we're here for. We're here to help guide you and answer any questions that you have. 43.6% of teens, now we're below 50% here, which is good, 43.6% uh, are afraid of depression or suicide. Now, we've done a, a series, uh, a podcast on depression already. Uh, I think we've firmly come to the conclusion that you are not suffering from depression at this point in time. Um, do you fear it? Do you fear suicide? Do you do your Peers, do you, you know? Do any of the kids that you talk to have these kinds of fears? Well, I do feel I do worry if I ever do get depression and want to commit suicide. But I definitely don't want to commit suicide whatsoever now. That's good. But I am a, kind of afraid if I get depression, if I'm gonna get depression. Well, and that's why we have to <clears throat> keep up on the warning signs and. And deal with issues as they come along so they don't get to that point. Because, you know, sometimes if you don't deal with them, they can be a little overwhelming. Yeah. 33.7% of teens are afraid of taking tests. How are you on test day? Um, I make sure that I know the things that I can. Um, but I do get nervous about taking the test. Not because I, of the grade, but because of the time period. Because we have to take tests quicker now, especially when we get to middle school, and that's stressing me out. So I always try to go as fast as I can, and if and if I'm so close to cutting off the time, I still get worried. So you're you're a little more meticulous in taking your tests. Yeah. Now is that just because you want to be careful and get the right answer, or no? Just because I I I want to finish by the time that it's done because I'm kind of slow with it because I do want to make sure I get the right answer, but I also want to try and get it out during the time we have, and we're not going to have a lot of time anymore, so I have to try and do my best and try to go faster, which I get nervous about. Okay. So 40% of teens are afraid of peer pressure uh, or not fitting in with people at school. How does that affect you? Doesn't really affect me too much. I have, I have friends who have the same who have similar interests to me, and as long as I, 
As, as long as I have good friends, I really don't care what other people think about me. That's perfect. That's a beautiful attitude. And the last one that we had here was 30% of teens are afraid of being bullied or harassed at school. Um, we talked about bullying, and you've confirmed that you're not bullied. Is there an, an atmosphere of bullying at school? Are kids at school afraid of being bullied? Well, I really don't know. I don't ask a, a bunch of the kids. I only really talk to one other person, which is my friend Mariah. Other than that, um, I really don't... I really don't know anyone who is afraid of that, but I do get a little nervous if I ever will be bullied. Okay. Well, that's definitely something that we have to uh, keep an eye on. Moving on to our next topic. So what is a phobia? So we go back to kidshealth.org again for this definition. And Kids Health tells us that a phobia is an intense fear reaction to a particular thing or situation. With a phobia, the fear is out of proportion to the potential danger. But to the person with the phobia, the danger feels real because the fear is so very strong. So it's fear, but on a different level. Almost an irrational kind of fear proportional to the danger. So fear is a, re a physical reaction to what your brain perceives as danger. Phobia is an exaggerated version of fear where the reaction is disproportionately more extreme than what the, the danger is. So let's keep that in mind moving forward. So some of the symptoms of phobias, and this comes from an article from uh, verywellmind.com. Uh, some of the symptoms are dizziness, trembling, and increased heart rate. Now, let me just let me run through the list, and then you tell me if you experience these. Okay. Breathlessness, where you just you can't catch your breath, you you can't breathe. Nausea, where you're sick to your stomach. A sense of unreality. Almost like a out of body experience. You don't like you don't feel as though you're there in the present. A fear of dying, and a preoccupation with the fear object where you can't not like if there was a spider in the room, you you had to focus on that spider. You can't turn your attention away from it. You can't. It's a distraction from everything else. So with those symptoms in mind. Do you have those symptoms when it comes to spiders, for instance? Some of them, yes. So which ones do you experience? I experience preoccupation with the fear object. Um, and I think that's pretty much all I really feel for spiders. But there is another fear that I think I experience a lot of these. Which one's that? My fear of heights. Okay. I feel dizziness and trembling with increased heart rate. I do feel breathlessness. I don't feel nausea. I don't feel nauseous. I don't feel a sense of unreality, or if it said that. But I do have a fear of dying. Okay. I have a fear that I'm going to fall down and eventually go splat. Absolutely. So. And preoccupation with the fear object, I'd say sort of. Okay. 
So you may legitimately have a fear, a phobia of heights. Um, I don't think you've got a phobia of spiders. I think you have a healthy fear of spiders. Okay, that's good to know, but yeah. not a healthy fear for heights. No, and, and that's sort of played out when you go up and down stairs. Okay, so your fear of heights translates into your difficulty going up and down stairs, especially if they're open air stairs where you can see down. Yeah, I hate those. Yeah, so I think that's probably something that we need to focus on trying to control that fear. Um, ironically enough, I didn't think that was going to be your phobia. I thought it was going to be spiders, but I don't think it is. So let's talk a little bit about what causes phobias. So some phobias develop when someone has a scary experience or a particular thing with a particular thing or situation. A tiny brain structure uh, called the amygdala keeps track of experiences that trigger strong emotions. Once a certain thing or situation triggers a strong fear reaction, the amygdala warns the person by triggering a fear reaction every time he or she encounters or thinks about encountering that thing or situation. So, again, this is not some kind of irrational fear. This is um, something that your brain's wired to do. I have another thing. Okay. Just talk, when we were talking about my fear, I felt as though I was looking down. I can relate to what we just said. Like, every time he or she encounters or even thinks about that thing or situation, I'm thinking about it now. Yeah, so it's definitely a phobia for you. And we'll get to how we deal with phobias in a little bit, okay? Yeah. So let's not get too worked up over it. Okay. Um, they give an example here. They say someone might develop a bee phobia after being stung during a particularly scary situation. For that person... Looking at a photograph of a bee, seeing a bee from a distance, or even walking near flowers where there could be a bee can all trigger the phobia. So the phobias have trigger points to them. And those trigger points are what set you off. Just thinking about heights right now was a trigger point for you. So, I mean, that's phobias. And again, it's, it's, it's a part of your brain that's designed to try and protect you from those things. And I think I can actually relate to the, um, uh, you know, example. The bee example? Yeah. I mean, I've never been stung by a bee, but I always have this weird fear in my mind, like, what if I get stung by the bee and I realize I'm allergic? What and does that... it actually feel like? How bad does it, yeah. how bad does it hurt? And, and looking at a photograph, I just think it's kind of disgusting. Just to look at, um, seeing a bee from a distance, I do get scared, and walking near flowers where there could be a bee, I also kind of get a little nervous. Yeah, and, and again, that's sort of that that danger sense that you have. You know, think Spidey sense from the comics, okay? <laughs> you know, you walk near a, a bush of flowers, there's a good chance there's a bee that's in there that... That might come out. And you can probably, and you've probably seen me like whenever there's a bush, I always walk away. On the opposite it. side, yeah. No, and that's smart, and that's that's being cautious, and that's how you control your fears that way too. Mm. So, 
So some, some quick statistics on phobias. So the National Institute of Mental Health and Anxiety Disorders Association of America say the most common specific phobias are of closed-in places, claustrophobia. Mm -hmm. I don't have all the phobia names here. Yeah. Heights. I don't remember what that one is. Mm -hmm. Escalators. You're afraid of escalators? Aren't they like the stairs that go up? That's correct. Well, I think both of them are mixed in together. I much prefer elevators to escalators. How about tunnels? Like? Like going through a tunnel, walking through a tunnel, or driving through a tunnel? Not afraid of those. That's good. Highway driving? Are you afraid to be on the highway around other cars and big trucks? No. Good. Um, water. Are you afraid of water? Well, if it's deep water and it's okay, and I will have, I can have the chance to fall into it. Okay. Yes. How about flying? Um, like if I'm in an airplane, I do have a fear that I'm gonna crash, that we're gonna crash, or something bad's gonna happen. So yeah. All right. How about animals? Nope. Dogs nope. in particular. Okay. No. Animals are fine. Insects, we already know. Yeah. How about thunder? Occasionally, yes. Okay. Mine's lightning. And I think I'm oh, yeah. afraid I of... yeah, I also am afraid of being struck by lightning. And I think I'm afraid of lightning because it's so random. Like, there's nothing really that you can do to defend against it if you happen to be out. You know, and people say, well, if you're the highest object in a lightning storm, you're going to get struck. You're more likely to get struck by lightning if you're the highest object. That doesn't guarantee that if you're a lower object, you're not going to get struck. So it's just... That sheer randomness of it, I think, scares me more than anything. Mm -hmm. um, public transportation, yeah, you're really not exposed to that too much. Yeah. Injuries involving blood. Can you see blood and, like, not faint? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I've had, like, I sometimes, like, before I used to freak out if I ever got blood, but now I'm just like, Okay, there's blood. Just wash it off, get a Band-Aid, maybe even tell my mom or dad. There you go. Tough it out. Um, dental or medical procedures? You've not really had many well, done. I, You've had some dental work done. A lot of dental work occasionally yeah. with my braces, just saying. Right. So that hasn't been a problem. Well, I don't really like doing mm -hmm. it, but I don't know if, I don't think I have a phobia of it, so yeah. Yeah, dislike I could, I could see. I also do get afraid, though, whenever I have to get a shot. But. Yeah, well, that because that hurts. I mean, anyone, nobody likes getting shots. Yep. So, so they go on to say that specific phobias generally appear in early childhood around age seven, which fits. That's about the time that you started to be aware of these dangers, I think. And that's when you started to develop some of your phobias. An estimated 9.1% of Americans or more than 19 million people have a specific phobia, and many people have more than one. So it's not that unusual. Okay. So you're not particularly a particularly frightened individual. Most people have these, so it's, it's perfectly normal. Mm -hmm. The prevalence of specific phobias in teenagers is higher at 15.1%. So as you, as you get older, you'll get over some of your phobias, no doubt. 
Um, and more than twice as many women as men have specific phobias. So the reason I put this information in here is to let you know that you're not an exception to the rule. You're not, there's nothing unusual about the fears that you have. There's nothing to be concerned about. Everybody has them and everyone leave, you know, all these other people, 19 million people lead perfectly normal lives. So having them is a defensive mechanism and it's perfectly normal. So you don't need to worry about being unusual or strange or anything like that. Okay, good. So the important part, I think, of the podcast is overcoming phobias. Now, some of the advice that's in here, you're, you're probably not going to like because it's kind of confrontational, but we'll go through it anyway. So Kids Health goes on to tell us that people can learn to overcome phobias by gradually facing their fears. And I know facing your fear can itself be a phobia. Um, it's not easy at first. Uh, it takes willingness and bravery. Sometimes people need the help of a therapist to guide them through the process. So if it was a debilitating phobia that you had where, you know, you couldn't go in an elevator, but you had to go to work, right? That's one of those that you kind of have to overcome in order to be functional. Or if you had a fear of water, you know, you, you can't not have water or be exposed to it. I mean, I'm not afraid of water in general, just afraid of like, a deep lake, and I might fall into it and possibly drown. Right. No, I, I totally, totally get that. Because I don't even know how to swim. I totally get that. So over, overcoming a phobia usually starts with making a long list of the fears in least to worst order. For example, with a dog phobia, the list might start with the things the person is least afraid of, such as looking at a photo of a dog. And then it'll work its way up to the worst fears, such as standing next to someone who's petting a dog or petting a dog on a leash and then walking a dog. Gradually and with support, the person tries each fear situation on the list one at a time, starting with the least fear. The person isn't forced to do anything and works on each fear until the fear feels comfortable, taking as long as needed. So basically what it's doing is it's saying, all right, let's take a fear that you have. Let's figure out in order of least fearful to most fearful what exposure to that fear is. So spiders. So if looking at a picture in a, of a spider in a book is scary, we'll deal with that first. Honestly, I feel as though looking at smaller spiders, spiders is the least fear and looking at a picture of like a tarantula is the worst fear. It's one of the worst fears. So that's an escalation. And being, and being near tarant and having to be near a tarantula or even looking at a tarantula would be even worse. All right, so that's a good example of an escalation. So you 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 start to get yourself acclimated to the least amount of fear. You expose yourself to that in a controlled situation, and when that's not fearful or stressful anymore. You've conquered that level, that lower level fear, and you move to the next one. And you do it in gradual steps. You don't just jump right in to, to you know, getting into a room full of spiders. Like, that That would just freak you out. I would probably scream until, well, I'd probably just scream. Well, and I'm not saying that you'll ever get to the point where you'll want to be in a room full of spiders. I wouldn't, and I don't have arachnophobia. 
But what they're saying here is you do it in a controlled manner. You have, you kind of have to confront the fear, but you do it in a way that's not overwhelming to you and a way that's comfortable for you. Um, as somebody gets used to a feared object or situation, the brain adjusts to how it responds to the phobia. So you're basically going to train your brain at that point in time, how to handle that, what it perceives as that danger. Um, it says the, the hardest part of overcoming a phobia is just getting started. Once a person decides to go for it and gets the right coach or support, it can be surprising how quickly you can overcome the fear. So, yeah, it's difficult trying to confront our fears, but if you do it in, a, in small increments, it's sort of like exercising. Like if you want to run a 5K, you don't just jump up and start running a 5K. You might walk a half mile or walk for 20 minutes and then you build up that distance that you walk or the time that you walk and your body has a chance to adjust to it. Your muscles start to adjust to it. And in a couple of weeks, you're able to do a 5K because you've trained your body to do it. The same thing with overcoming fears. You have to train your brain. We've already established the fact that it's a normal process. I mean, it's your body's way of protecting itself. So you kind of have to train your brain to not overreact. And that's really what a phobia is. It's your brain overreacting. So that's what we had for today. Uh, any questions on fears or phobias before we go into our closing remarks? Well, yes. I want to ask you. Just looking at the symptoms of fears and phobias and just looking at the statistics what would you what would you do you think you have any phobias um i don't think i have phobias but what are like the worst fears that you have the really the biggest fear that i have like i said is the lightning um and it's not like i can't watch it on tv or i can't look at a bolt of lightning in a book or something like that it's when I'm in, you know, a thunderstorm, if I'm in the car in a thunderstorm, I feel I'm safe. It's when I'm transiting from the car to the building that I'm going to. It's a, it's a sense of vulnerability that I don't have any control. And I think that's the same kind of fear that I have about flying, where in a plane. Now I, I fly, I'm not deathly afraid of flying. I, I won't refuse to do it, but I don't like doing it because it's a control situation. I think for me where in a plane, I'm depending on that guy in the cockpit, getting me from point A to point B safely. I don't know who that is. I've never met them. I don't know what their qualifications are. I don't know if they have any substance abuse problems. I don't know if he had a fight with his wife this morning and you know, might, might be distracted. I don't know. It could be any of those things. Um, that's why I prefer driving because at least driving I'm in control. If I make a mistake, it's on me. Um, in a plane that pilot could have a bad day today and cost me my life. Yeah. That would also it, freak me out. You know, in a situation with lightning, I can't control that lightning. I can move as quickly as I can from the shelter of the car to the shelter of the building. But that's not to say that I won't get struck by lightning. And it's that uncertainty, I think, that's more 
more scary to me than anything else. So let's, did you have any other questions? Um, I think that was it. Okay. So I, that's all we had for the topic today. Uh, let's move on to our closing remarks. So as always, dear, I turn it over to you to end the podcast with closing remarks and shout outs. Alrighty, so for my closing remarks today, I'm going to say to all the viewers, if you have a fear that is ju- that doesn't seem too bad, I won't worry too much about it. It's the phobias you should worry about. If you f- feel as though your phobia is very bad, you should get some mental help and possibly start thinking of coming, of overcoming that phobia and making it into a small fear. I would definitely think of worrying about um, your biggest fears and phobias instead of your smaller fears. Okay. Did you want to give a shout out to anyone today? Well, I would give, I want to give a shout out to both of my parents, you and mommy, who have helped me out through how many years I was afraid of certain things and how many years I've thought I've had a phobia of other things and a fear of uh, and a fear of others. Um okay. I'd also like to thank you guys for supporting me through my thoughts of and fears and phobias. All right. Thank you. Well, you're 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 welcome and thank you for the shout out. And I think that's all we had for today. Um, our contact information is in the credits at the end here, but you can reach us on Twitter at, uh, insights underscore things. Check out our YouTube and our podcasts on, uh, Buzzsprout and we'll talk to you folks next week. Goodbye. Bye.